This is Fiber Variety Hour, an eclectic mashup of fiber obsession, interviews, random silliness, and discussion surrounding all aspects of the fiber community and industry. In each episode, you'll find everything from farm features to fabulous festivals. You can find us on social media platforms as Fiber Variety Hour, that's fiber with an R-E, as well as our Patreon platform. Our presenting sponsor is YarnCon in Chicago, Illinois. YarnCon is a premier market for independent producers of yarn and fiber for knitting, crochet, spinning, and weaving. YarnCon has gone virtual this year, featuring live stream vendor chat sessions, pre-registered live workshops via Zoom, and even a virtual stitch night on Zoom Saturday, April 10th, complete with prizes. You can find out more at YarnCon.com. Emily and I recently had the opportunity to catch up with April Zeilinger of Zeilinger Wool Company in Frankenmuth, Michigan. It was really fun to hear about that side of fiber processing. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of wet wool in there. Find out more at zwool.com. We're here with April Zeilinger. So hi. Hi. How has your week been? busy yeah yeah kind of ramping up isn't it yeah we just we got like a ton of fiber in this week so which is great I had the chance to experience one of your mill tours at Zylinger and how how did it get going how did you become a part of it I mean we just want to know all the things sure sure so my husband is fourth generation to fiber processing so um his parents moved to the location that we're at now um but the history was actually downtown and that's where his family owned that business so then um they had some business partners separated and john's parents moved to um the south end of frankenmuth so his family has been in this community for four generations and well now five that we all of our kids but um, so they started doing fiber processing and they were making socks for the military. They had a contract. So that's how it started out and then just passed on from everyone. And so now John and I are um, going to be purchasing from his mom. And um, I got into the business only like four years ago. So I'm fairly new. I think I think we're moving into five. But um, I worked in credit unions for about 20 years and then um, got pregnant with our fourth child and then said, how am I going to work my credit union career? Because I was a project manager and then I also managed a small uh, like technology business for them. So I was the uh, director of that. So it was like, it wasn't super duper stressful, but it was was a lot and with four kids and then uh there were times like back when I was pregnant I started to kind of I think I did like a couple posts on social media for the mill to try to help him like on the weekends and stuff because we had like no social media presence at all so um I had like started to do that and then I was really really pregnant and I like abruptly quit my job. (laughs) 
<laughs> so then I came and I said, I came home and I was like, hey, just kind of quit my job. <laughs> and then he said, oh my gosh, why would you do that? And then we talked about it and it was like, okay, well, it's not so bad. Maybe it's like time that we transition into you coming into the mill anyways. So um, I remember when I started, his mom was so nice. She's like, oh, honey, are you sure you want to come do this? Because there's not a lot of money in fiber processing. <laughs> and I was like, well, kind of don't have any. I mean, I could have went out and, you know, had gotten another job and stuff. But we, John and I just knew, like, it was going to happen at some point. So why not just start? Might as so, well. Yeah. yeah. So then I came in and um, she was, his mom was like, well, I don't, I, you know, I can't pay you a lot and there isn't like really a whole lot for you to do here. So like, we're just going to have to like find things for you to do. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm like, all right. And so just like through the years, there was actually a lot to do. They had no social media presence. The website was like 12 years old. And, um, and I just kind of feel like they had this really good foundation. Like they were well known. They had a really great reputation. His parents were so nice and they loved all their fiber people. They just needed that like, hey, we're in this century now. <laughs> so we had to uh, do a lot of things to get them up to today. You said you started kind of doing social media for them. So did that, did you notice a big change in the business when you started doing that? You know, I didn't right away. It like took a little bit to get growth, you know? Um, and I think, you know, when I start, cause I have, I don't have education in social media marketing or anything like that. It's just kind Most of, of us don't. Yeah. <laughs> It's learn as you go. Trial by fire. Yeah, exactly. So at first I was kind of like posting the stuff that was like, hey, look at what we have. And hey, look at, you know, it was just like product based stuff. And then I started to kind of learn like, hey, I should kind of be posting about us. Maybe people want to know that. So I feel like when I hit that, like I posted about John and I or, uh, you know, his mom, I had her in a couple posts that got more attention than the products. So I think people wanted to know more about the insides of the mill or the people running it. So I think that personal connection is a big thing that people are looking for. Yeah. Uh, so that's really cool. That's I find that interesting because I, I guess I didn't really realize that the social media with them only started so recently. <laughs> You know, because like I have, I've been in this for a little over 10 years and, you know, like Zeilinger's was the place that you knew about already, but to, so, but we're from Michigan. So, yeah, that. but I mean, you guys are all over the country. So, um, like, I know I saw your name a lot uh, at various festivals all over the country. And I thought that was really cool that like, you know, this kind of hometown mill or like home state mill, I should say. Um, was all over the place. So um, I was going to wait till later, but I guess that's relevant right now. You know, have you, um, are you still dealing with a lot of out of state orders, even though you haven't been able to get out to those shows? Yes. 
Yes, very much. We, so we do business throughout the whole United States, whether it's people sending in for processing or um, they're doing wholesale with us. We do a lot of wholesale, wholesaling fibers. So um, yeah, I mean, we're sh receiving shipments and shipping out things, you know, if, if not every other day, every other day. Um, so we do that. And then we're still gonna, like we do, I think, for 2020, we had when we planned our 2020 year of shows in 2019, we had um, 11 shows on the books. And so my husband and I will do some and then his cousin, um, actually on the side of the family that, you know, processed wool, um, his cousin works here too. So he'll go to some shows, it, we like split them. So um, they're mainly on the East Coast. We used to go to Iowa, but their show um, folded. And um, I know there's a new opportunity out there. Uh, we've gone to Texas once. A crazy idea of mine. <laughs> Not so crazy, maybe. <laughs> well, I am curious, though, because for people who don't understand what going and doing a show is. So as a fiber processor and also a wholesaler of fiber, what does that mean for you to go to a show? For us, it means total exhaustion. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true for anyone doing shows. We can we can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, it means like me trying to be perfect and perfect my booth and spending like seven hours on it on Friday trying to set. <laughs> no, but uh, it's um we pick up fiber from that state and then we also um, you know do the booth. So uh, for us, we're packing the trailer full, we take a trailer and our, our goal is to like have to push on that thing to get it shut before we leave for the weekend full of raw fibers. So now you said setting up your booth, what would someone find in your booth at a fiber show? They would find our yarns that we've spun, um, any type of, any type of product that, um, so I'll tell you, I'll go back here and I'll tell you that my goal is for the products that I sell in my store and obviously in the booth on the show, cause you'll, and on my website, um, they're American made American fiber. So I carry like two items from other countries. Uh, so what I want to do is try to generate, um, I feel like the knitting and fiber world is a big community. And so I want to keep that on in my products uh, that I sell. So I buy things like your lovely kits <laughs> or I buy, you know, other needle felting kits. You know, she's from Michigan. I just try to keep that completely um, U.S. American made. I love Michigan products. I like to have that stuff here. So I'm selling our yarns, products that I buy from other fiber artists or uh, customers of ours will make things and I'll buy it back from them. <laughs> I have some hand knit items on um, our bedding because we do bedding products. So I take that stuff on the road too. So um, really people can get everything from the raw fiber or the um, partially processed fiber to finished products for their household or for wearing in your booth or on your website or in your mill store. 
Yes. So it's not like there's just, you know, one thing or five things. You're talking in a myriad of, of items. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a lot of really great things made either by really handmade by really great artists and people in the industry. I mean, even down to my soaps, those are made handmade by, you know, farms and the industry and stuff like that. So if someone wanted to, if they found the perfect fleece at a show or, you know, wherever they happen to be at a farm in the middle of nowhere and they had no idea what to do with it, how, what would they do to get it to you or what would they ha have to do before sending it to you? Sure. So first of all, if they're at a show and they like buy a fleece from the fleece sale, mm -hmm. they'll usually just come right to where we're uh, picking up fiber and say here. <laughs> Or, uh, and then like, we'll kind of guide them through that at the show, you know, if, if they haven't ever done it before. Um, I get a lot of these questions on, uh, like through Facebook messenger. So, um, I get a lot of questions of, I've never done it before. How do I do this? So, you know, I answer as many, as much as I can through the messenger. Um, you know, it's just reaching out. They can email us, they can call us. Um, I think that's like something that my husband and I, really pride ourselves in is those newer customers that haven't ever done that before. We try to guide them through the process. So it's not so tough and, you know, communicate yeah. well with them to, to help. I'm them. actually one of those people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, you know, it's, it's really nice when you can find that information easily, but it's also really nice to know that you can have that, um, personal customer relationship with you like oh I can ask you these questions there's yeah and even though it's a big operation knowing that there are real people behind it and how personable and personal that business is really helps um you know and also it shows I think that that would be a really nice opportunity for somebody to come up to you because you know as you were just talking about the products you have in your booth some of those products are things that you can go, you could do this. Yes. <laughs> so um, I didn't realize how much other stuff you guys carried. And, um, you know, obviously your services include processing fiber for spinning and processing fiber into yarn, but what other things exactly do you guys do? Yeah, so if you uh, have your fiber made into yarn, we can make several different things with it. And I think that's what's really neat about it. So. Um, a lot of times what we see with new uh, producers when they have their fiber sent to us and they have a lot of fiber and they're like, I've never done this before. We always recommend like a finished product for them rather than yarn because it's a turnaround for income faster if they're not in the yarn market and don't already have, you know, a market for them to sell to. Um, you know, we always suggest those products if it's their first time and then, um, you know, they can move into to yarn later if they find, you know, that they have like a market for that to sell it. Um, so we make the socks, hats, gloves. We recently just did some camp blankets um, out of yarn that we spun. So those are online now. I just posted them today. I just took pictures and posted them today. Oh, I haven't seen those yet. Yes. So now our customers can have camp blankets made with their own yarn. And we've, uh, we tested one customer's uh, order and they got theirs and they love them. So we are also uh, working on a relationship with some other weavers um, in New York State. 
where you could have your yarn that we spun made into fabric or cloth. So um, in March, they're, they're um, going to weave our yarn and then I should be able to, you know, we're going to come up with the price and stuff like that for our customers. So we're trying to like broaden the horizon of doing different things because, you know, wool is so versatile. You can pretty much do anything with it. So we're just well, trying to help. It sounds like you're out. really really coming back to the core of it where it started with with, with woolen mills and creating because it's just kind of steering it back towards all those multi-uses. Do you find that you have more um, commercial customers or newbie um, hobbyists that would like to have stuff milled for either spinning fiber or yarn or is it all over the place? Um, it's kind of all over the place but I will tell you that the orders that we're getting, um, yarn, I mean, we're getting so much yarn. <laughs> and while there is, you know, we have a spinners guild that would come the third Saturday of the month, we've been kind of scaled back on that since coronavirus. But, um, you know, there are still spinners out there. And we do, we make a lot of roving, but it's like roving for felting. And then yarn, I think those are our two biggest things. That's so great to hear how much yarn you're making, though, because that means people are looking more domestically, not just in supporting farms, but also in supporting our mills. And that's it's kind of what our mission with this whole podcast is, is to be able to spread the word about that and help people connect to all those different pieces. So that's really exciting to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, up. it's also really exciting to hear that you guys are working with a weaving mill. You know, because talk about another thing that really disappeared in our country. Um, so that's really great that you're working together with those th um, places. Is there even a working one in Michigan at all? Do you know? Not that I know of. In the blankets that we had woven this last time, we had them done in Canada. Um, but the um, the it's a, a husband and wife couple in New York State that is going to do like the fabric, like the cloth for us. So um, in eventually my goal would be to have them, you know, do some of the blankets too, because I'd rather keep it here. Um, so we're just like trying to work on that relationship right now to see where we can go with it. I think even having that demand, if it was that you had to work with Canada, you know, keeping, it, it's going to be healthier for the market on the whole, if even our continent is working toward that. So that's yeah. amazing. Um, I was curious, uh, what is it that you don't do at the mill? Like what, what fibers don't you do? Cause I know that changed a little bit in the last several years, right? So because you're focusing on other things, I imagine that's why, but I am curious about that. Well, I don't know that there's a fiber that we don't process. I mean, we process all sorts of stuff. I mean, dog hair. We've had, we have a person that brings in garbage bags of dog hair and we spin it into yarn for them. So I would, I wouldn't say there isn't anything we won't do, uh, you know, as long as it's the staple length, as long as it doesn't have burrs, <laughs> as long as it's skirted, I think those would be the only things where we would go, yeah, we probably can't help you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. I was actually just um, part of that curiosity was I was looking today at mohair sources and saw mm -hmm. that there's not really anywhere that does much mohair processing anymore. So that's good to know. Yeah, um, we do I mohair all the time. I'll just tuck that away because I'm going to be talking about 
right? Out <laughs> later, but um, I guess one thing I'm curious of, I know that you have done some bison processing and what, I mean, what is the most interesting or just off the wall fiber that you have processed? Or did I just already do it? <laughs> well, that dog hair was definitely different. I mean, it really was. And let me tell, I mean, it's, it's so cool looking though, spun up as yarn. Like it's, I don't know. I like different stuff. So it's hairy, but it's cool. Like, it's I don't know. It's got mohair brushed look to it. <laughs> it's just different. I don't know. It's cool. But um, I know mohair has like a nice sheen to it. And so uh, Buffalo, yes, Buffalo that's pretty cool. We made uh, bedding with it because buffalo like has a down. So when you separate that, instead of taking and throwing away the waste, we make, we recart it and make bedding. I didn't know that. That is so cool. Yes. And so then the soft stuff, you can knit up and, you know, the other stuff, we can put it in bedding. I don't think a lot of people realize how useful all those pieces are you know like if if you were just if you didn't know anything about it you might think oh that is throwaway but then you're really making use of all of it i think that the textile industry sometimes gets a really bad rap for being wasteful but really i think we're pretty resourceful with what we use and um that's that's a really I think it'll be a nice thing for people to hear, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think it's the complete opposite. I think the assumption is that we are wasteful or, you know, and it's like the complete opposite. We're always trying to find um, uses for, you know, everything that we have, and we don't like to throw anything away. <laughs> so. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Um, I, I had a lady tell me, so I'm going to, I'm going to skirt fleeces with her at her farm next weekend. And I've never done it before. So I said, you know, can I film? She said, sure. So I'm going to film myself skirting these fleeces. And we started talking about it. And I told her I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, but I'll watch some YouTube videos and stuff. And then that way, when we, when I come, it'll be all right. And she's like, yeah. So then I said to her, well, you know, she, she said to me, well, they, they shear, you know, the main part and then they'll shear the bottom. So, you know, the skirting will just be within the main fleece. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, and then, but we keep the bottom though. And we put it in our garden. <laughs> yeah, it's great compost. Um, and you'll learn fast when you get to that skirting table, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Super fast. I, yeah, I, I've definitely participated in a few, um, helping sessions as shearings and they, they don't really let you slow down. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Pretty but, pumped. You'll learn it's great work. It's fun. I, I it's work that I love, you know, this is like what I want to do someday is have a farm and, and have the sheeps and be there doing that. So, um, you know, this, this is the kind of stuff that I get all geeked out about. <laughs> but, yeah. Right. <laughs> So, you know, operating a mill is obviously a really collaborative process because you are working with clients all the time, but, you know, um, you're working with artisans, you're working with farms that have animals, you're working with just people who are bringing stuff in. What is your favorite thing to do, I guess? Like, what's, what's the favorite thing that you guys like to do? I'm not really sure. You know, for my husband, he's skeining yarn most days, like all day, every day. He's either like skeining or twisting. Or, uh, he's in the yarn mill all week long. So 
I think for us, it's, I mean, we, we like talking to people. He's just, it, this is his passion. He has a, a degree from Central Michigan University. So, I mean, and then my career of, you know, longevity in the financial institutions, I mean, we really could be somewhere else working. So for him, he said, we had a conversation about this because there isn't like millions of dollars to be made in the textiles, you know? So we sat down and it's like, okay, well, is this what we really want to do? And it's like, yeah, we don't want to do anything else. We love this. He loves it. He's been doing it so long. He grew up in the mill and I'm like, I totally dig it. Like, I love everything about it. So wonderful because it could have been <laughs> very different and you could have felt so much pressure to do right. it because of it being a family business. So that's really wonderful to know that you guys love it so much. Yeah, for sure. And we really like to go out on the road and to meet our customers face to face. I think that's the most important thing for us because then it's like seeing how hard they work you know, how much time has been putting to Karen for the animals and their farms and hauling their bags of wool to the show to come see us. Like, we love that. It's like and we get to reunion. eat at some really good places and <laughs> yeah, perks, yeah. perks of the job. Yes. So I know you said you have, you've got four kids. Are they doing stuff at the mill at this point? So my oldest is like, no way. He's 17. <laughs> He's like he is not having it um I have a 15 year old and yes he works here he's the one that you see in the videos that I post on social like he was cleaning the card and he did like the wool surfing when he was like jumping in the in the carding closet so, uh, so he's who John's referring to as one of the young bucks yes <laughs> <laughs> cleaning the carters <laughs> yeah on your, on your morning coffee yes Yep. So um, my 15 year old, definitely. Um, and then we have Ella who's eight and, you know, she loves to try everything and be everywhere where I'm at. And then Lincoln's only four. So he just loves to like come into the store and like tear everything up. So that's appropriate, age appropriate. So when did your, your 15 year old, when did he start working in the mill or start taking an interest, I guess I should say? Well, you know, he didn't really have an interest in it. We forced him to be honest. <laughs> we were like, it's either you get a job somewhere else or you come to work with us. And he was like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> he totally hated it. But then he, he likes it now. And I said to him the other day, cause he was like, John's got me home, bags of wool around. Like he'll come talk to me and tell me what he's doing. Like he's all proud, you know? And he's like, John's got me home, bags of wool around. And I looked at him and I said, Hey dude, you could go work somewhere else. You can totally get another job so you wouldn't have to work in this stinky woolen mill. And he was like, no way. I love it here. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because it's like, I, I feel like we get, um, I don't want to say a taste for, maybe a taste for the scent of wool. I don't even know how to say that without it saying weird. I, mean, weird. I was just going to say something about huffing wool fumes all day. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think that you either love it or you hate it. And like, when you love it, you love it. <laughs> So, um, I think I just got used to it. You know, you just get used to it. It's like at first, it's like, oh yeah, okay, well, <laughs> all right, and then you just get used to it. 
<laughs> I mean, there's ones that you don't want to smell, but most of them are pretty okay. <laughs> mohair. Sorry to say it. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was, go to I was so stinky. mohair today and it just smelled like a buck in my whole studio. My hair is so stinky. So smelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so they cute. Was- I know they wash mohair in the washroom and it like stinks up the whole mill. And I'm just like, woo, washing my hair today. (laughs) It's so funny how you start to like know what it is. Can you distinguish between breeds of sheep? Not, no, not so much. I mean, you can't really smell it in the other parts of the building, but the mohair you can smell. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, um... So I process a lot of stuff and like I've been washing a lot of fleece recently, um, just trying to get it all done. And I like I can see why your son might like it so much, because I think it's just kind of the repetition and just the hard work is really fulfilling, I think, from doing all of that. So I'm I'm glad that it sounds like you've got somebody that the business might go on to. Yeah, he he's a mover. He likes to move and do things, move around. And he says cleaning that card's a good workout. So it looks like it getting to climb up on that oh my goodness I mean you're constantly like just moving a hand carter is what they use so you're just like moving it and moving it and moving it (laughs) yeah I can't even imagine so I I am curious with with some of the collaborations you've been able to do um what are some of the more interesting combinations of fiber that you've been able to do. I know you said bison. Do you blend that with anything or do you do it on its own? What what has been fun to blend? Yeah, so with bison, we usually blend a little bit of wool in with it just because it gets it to stick. You know, the fine wools, when they're by themselves, they have a hard time doing that twisting when we're making it into yarn. So we get that wool in there and it just kind of brings it all together and makes it plump and nice. So um, we blend a lot of wool into things. I, I would say one of my favorite things to like touch and squeeze is Cormo yarn. I just love Cormo yarn. <laughs> I have to squeeze it a lot and put it in my face. <laughs> it's product testing, right? Yes. Quality and I love control. <laughs> in Angora, I have to just mm-hmm. like... I don't know what it is about like putting things next to your skin and like loving it and rubbing it. <laughs> I'm totally weird like that, but I knit. So like, that's why. It's like, that doesn't sound weird to me at all. <laughs> I think it sounds perfectly normal. People would yeah. This so strange. I don't know what we're going to do when we do get to go back to things because like, that's going to be really hard to not, not do. put in our <laughs> Like, oh, maybe I know. do that. I know. But. Like, like taking the bags at the grocery store, the vegetable bags. Oh, like, God. how do you get these open with not licking your finger? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wait, for the sake of trivia or just, inf- you know, random info, how much fiber do you guys process in a day? So in a day, that's, that's like, that's a challenging question. Oh, ish, ish. <laughs> Ish, I would say thousands of pounds a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one time John and I did some calculations. Um, I didn't do my tracking yet for 2020. Yeah, but thousands of pounds a week, that is wild. And now is that thousands of pounds incoming or outgoing or combination? I mean, how do you figure that? So that would be like orders that we processed in a week. 
So that's in all three buildings because, you know, we have the three separate buildings. So that's running like comb top and um, roving or batting orders in the far building. And then the machine that's behind me um, is the main one that we do wholesale on. So that would be running this one for wholesale and then the yarn. We've been running seven days in the yarn mill though. So we've really been pumping out the yarn. Now I've been there and so I know what the buildings are like there and that there are three buildings, but tell us about the um, evolution of how it's gone from smaller to growing and growing and growing to your entire footprint basically. Yeah, so when they came to build this uh, new facility here and I believe around 1986, it was a car wash. So <laughs> you can still see like, the uh I don't know what they call those that you drive into like the little bins little car bins uh, <laughs> you would go into kind yeah of? so you can see like some of the cement cement walls still are the original from the car wash so um someone from the community had approached my mother-in-law and father-in-law and and said you guys should totally still be processing wool because they had taken like a little hiatus from it uh once that uh, relationship the partnership kind of broke up and so they're like you should still be doing it and so they had to start over pretty much so these machines they had to find machines they had to build this building they had to do all this all over again contact their customers that they you know had done business with like hey we're starting the mill back up again so it was kind of probably pretty exciting for them um so the car wash, the original structure was built. And then um, there, is, there was a building that was, I want to say it was like another business, like they were welding. I think it was a welding company that was like in a small, it almost kind of looks like a barn. Um, I'm like really close to the property. So then um, that guy was going to move and he said to my father-in-law, like, hey, do you want to purchase my building for your, you know, mill? Yeah. So then he purchased that building, put more machinery. Then they did comb top in that one. And then um, they wanted to get into yarn. They thought that would be a good idea to uh, get some spinning frame equipment and get into yarn. Well, they had to find someone to spin the yarn. So they ended up getting um, someone from the East Coast uh, to come move here and um, be the main person to spin the yarn. So he brought his family over. They built a brand new facility. So the yarn mill is actually like new building, newer. And that was built here in around the year 2000, I think, is when yeah. they started doing yarn. Did they bring in new spinning equipment or did they find spinning equipment or yeah, I want to hear about that. Yeah. So it was kind of like these old babies back here. They had to like find the stuff, you know? Um, so they got used spinning equipment um, and actually the frame, the spinning frame that we're spinning on now, they actually had to like cut it. And I don't know why they we're still trying to figure out why they did. And, you know, John's um, dad has passed, so we can't ask him. Um, why they cut that and his mom doesn't remember but um, it's small so then now we acquired that big spinning frame from Ohio so we had a new to us that we um, got down here and it just needs to be put together 
but they're making so much yarn that they don't want to stop production to get the new frame up. So they're trying to find like a good space where they'll be able to get the new frame up. So it's almost like you're, you're spinning too much yarn to stop to make, um, get equipment set up to spin more yarn. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so how many people do you guys employ overall then with all these different facilities on your site? Yeah. So, um, in a typical year, we have 15 people, including John and I and his mom. Wow. I mean, that's not very many people considering how much you guys are doing too. That's really pretty incredible. They're <laughs> very efficient. <laughs> I, I suppose you would have to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that seven day a week. That's, that's three people, you know, two processors, um, split up. So like, um, the one guy will come in and do like the carding part of it and he'll get it all set up for the next guy to come in and spin it all and twist it all. And then my husband's here Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays, um, skating it or coning it. <laughs> so I know you've got, you've got the, um, original building and then the building that was purchased. And then I think you called it the, the fine fiber building. Is that what it? Yes, it's exotic fibers. We mainly run like alpaca in uh, the dehairing machine for like the bison fibers over there because it has to be dehaired before it can be like made into yarn or roving for that soft stuff. So if um, doesn't know what that is, that's literally getting the long guard, guard hairs out so that you have the down left over for one part and then the guard hairs that you use for bedding, correct? Yes. Woohoo! Okay. And we'll do that to llama fiber too. So llama fiber has the down and bison has down that will run it through the deer. Nice. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sorry, I interrupted you, Gloria. No, that's okay. So all that happens in the one building, the comb top, the fine fibers, and then the dehairing. So is that spinning two over there or is that entirely um, the carding and the separating stuff and then it goes to the spinners? Yes, yeah, so it's like totally just um, dehairing and carding. The carding for the yarn happens in the yarn mill. They have a, a three breaker system, which means they have three rollers that it goes through. So that way it gets nice and clean or as clean as it can be with three rollers. So um, the carding that happens in the exotic building is mainly um, roving and batting. So when you say three rollers, are you talking about the kind of rollers well, I can see behind you in the yeah. one that if you're standing up, it's going to be like, you know, nose height. Uh, so three of those kind. Yes. Yep. It's the three really big drums with all the needles on it that the fiber rolls through and the needles kind of get that, you know, like vegetable matter and stuff like that out. It's like, you know, a small little drum carter that you would have with the needles all around it. It's like a humongous one of those. And it's three of them with um, smaller rollers going with the drum roller, the big one, so that it gets all that stuff out. Does it kind of just move it along then with those? It does. It does. I just, I, I love the process of it. I think it is so cool. <laughs> and I, all of the little like nitty gritty pieces of it, I feel like that's the part that people don't necessarily, the public doesn't necessarily know what all goes into their yarn or their socks or their hat or their spinning fiber because they're like, oh yeah, I got 100% wool socks. They're super warm, but where did it come from? Well, I don't know. Yes, there's a lot that goes into it. And you know, 
a lot of times when we're out on the road and we tell them what our wait time is, they're like, holy guacamole. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but there is a lot that goes into it. I mean, we're talking about, we're washing wool in recycled bathtubs, you know, so your 30 pound run, you know, we're going to be taking it and soaking it. And then once it's soaked, it's extracted. And once it's extracted, then it's put on chicken wire and two by fours to dry with fans. Like there's no, you know, super big, like not really glamorous or anything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's totally someone's hands are putting that your wool into every step of the process. It's, it's not totally machine. It's not automated. There's still right. a human interaction with it. No um, automation. Yeah. You have been incredibly generous with your time. Uh, yes. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about? Um, you know, you said that your um, camp blankets are in the shop now. Is there anything yeah. new like that that you want to promote or let people know where they can find you? Yeah. So they can always find us at zwool.com where I have wholesale, retail, and then processing all in one website. And um, they can find us on socials, Facebook, Instagram. I have a little bit on Pinterest. And then we also have um, my husband and I do our Java with John sessions every Monday morning where he talks about his side of the business and processing and what goes on so we can learn some more things. So those are on YouTube. And then also I just uh, launched a series about four weeks ago called Wool Socks Real People. And it's just kind of breaking that uh, assumption that all wool is itchy and um, just kind of like educating the general public because they're like ordinary people, not wool people like us, fiber people. <laughs> right. So um, that is also on YouTube too and all the socials. And of course I'm on LinkedIn because it's like business world, right? Well, so yeah, I'm there yeah. too. And so is John and yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to see Welcome. a little bit of what's behind you now. <laughs> yes. That was April Zeilinger of Zeilinger Wool Company. She was kind enough to give us a little mini virtual tour after we were done recording. We can't wait until we can go back in person once it's safe. 